going on, everybody? Welcome to a special round one March Madness recap edition of Wavelengths. I'm Stephen Heimers, joined by Theo Backman and Ethan Rose. A crazy first two days, a tournament that we have not seen in two years. And this lived up to the hype and then some. A lot of big teams going down. A lot of big teams not even there. But I just want to get right into it. Ethan, what really stole the show for you so far? I mean, there are so many moments from the past day, that past two days, that were just unbelievable. So much fun to watch. My favorite storyline, personally, from the past two days is Buddy Beheim and the Syracuse Oranges just taking over against, uh, shoot, taking over against, crap, San Diego State. San Diego State, geez. So many games, I can barely remember these. <laughs> but... So that game was so much fun to watch. Betty, Buddy Beheim just shooting these miraculous threes out of nowhere. His quick release, just pure golden every single time. It was so much fun to watch, especially since he's, you know, the coach's son. It's also kind of easy to hate him at the same time just because of how well he's been doing, how smug he seems at the same time. But out of all the games, that was easily my favorite favorite part out of, out of everything that's happened the past two days yeah buddy's almost too good now he's not even the coach's son it's just jim Beheim's buddy Beheim's dad at this point exactly mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. buddy uh, jim Beheim is now in the back seat buddy okay. is in the front seat mm-hmm. yeah, this, is, this is buddy's team jim's just there to hopefully get another <laughs> ring out of it theo i want to ask you the same question what moment so far in the first 48 hours has really gotten you in your um, yeah, I was loving the games where the fans were involved. Uh, we had two sides of it. I mean, heavy, heavy support on the Purdue side, and they lose in overtime to North Texas. And then later in the night, we had the Rutgers-Clemson game. The, the stands was all Rutgers fans, Rutgers' first tournament in 30 years. And, I mean, Rutgers, they got a little lucky. It seemed like the ball kept bouncing Rutgers' way on the offensive rebounds for layups. And uh, Rutgers just... It was a defensive battle. Rutgers scored enough points. They got their first tournament win in 30 years. So that was one of my favorite games from Friday. I'm glad you brought up Rutgers-Clemson because I am from the New York, New Jersey area. I have a couple of friends that go to Rutgers, and I picked Clemson. So that was really, you know, cool to have to deal with. <laughs> and, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this weekend was probably, you know, little piece of paper and you know now after day two just you know rip that up because that's out the window (laughs) now we are down ohio state they lost to oral roberts in a crazy game virginia tech florida game one overtime crazy shot by virginia tech just to force overtime and that's how this tournament started, too, the first game. And then there was that crazy shot mm-hmm. to send the game to overtime. Fortunately, they lost. I was cheering for them at the end. But still, that was a crazy way to start the tournament off. Yeah, it was cool playing in Butler's Arena. The sun coming in, mm-hmm. 12 o'clock on a Friday, overtime right off the bat. Florida, Virginia Tech going at it. They really gave it their all. Two players in overtime immediately got fouled out for Tech. And it was just a real close game the whole way through. That So it was a pretty good start. 
So I want to ask you guys, Ethan, you said Buddy Beheim. Theo, was there someone else who really caught your attention and just played really well so far? Oh uh, yeah, it was it was the Eastern Washington game today. I mean, those those brother, the Groves brothers were going off. They combined for fifty eight points. Uh, they ended up coming up short, but I don't I don't think those are names that I'll be forgetting for a long time. And those per- personalities, who like like Will Farrell and the 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 other brother from Step Brothers, and they're just getting buckets on Kansas today. That was a crazy performance, and they they had Kansas on edge for a good good amount of the game. Yeah, I wanted to show a little love to the Mobleys on USC. Isaiah going 6-7, 15 points. Evan, a likely lottery pick, 17 points, 11 rebounds. They really carried USC against Drake today. And they really played well and were obviously the biggest forces behind USC's victory. Uh, Another guy that I want to ask you about, Ethan. Cade Cunningham, this was supposed to be his weekend and his tournament. He did not play well, 3 of 14, 2 of 8 from 3, 4 turnovers. Is this just a bad game and opening round jitters, or is this a sign of things to come? Nah, this is just an opening round game. You could tell that he was super nervous coming out the start. I'm pretty sure he started like 0 for 4 from the three-point line through the through his first four shots but after that he kind of got into a little bit of a little bit of a rhythm and he also got to the line a little bit that's something that isn't really mentioned he did get to the free throw line like 10 or nine times or something like that last night so it's a despite him not shooting all too well last night I doubt this is anything to be that worried about it was more of something that it was more of he was just nervous about it it was his first game in in the tournament and, but what really counted was that he still showed his leadership capabilities. He was still pumping guys up, getting everybody going. I mean, Avery Anderson picked that team up when they needed it. It was despite Cade Cunningham not playing up to his ability. I mean, Avery Anderson was still there to, to carry the team to victory. So I don't think it's anything to get too worried about as far as like Cade Cunningham being that bad yet. Out of these matchups that we have the next two days, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, we just talked about a little, Colorado, Florida State, Alabama, Maryland, Michigan, LSU, and we all know how Theo feels about that game potentially, Oregon mm-hmm. versus Iowa. I think the game with the most upset potential, I would have to go Maryland, Alabama. I think Alabama kind of got tested a little more than they would have liked to against Rick Pitino in the Gales. Yeah, they and showed I think, some flaws today. Yeah, I think that Maryland is kind of taking this us-against-the-world mentality and kind of showing that they were one of the lower-ranked teams in the Big Ten in the tournament, but they won. They didn't lose like Purdue. They didn't lose like Ohio State. So they're they're trying to show that the Big Ten is not a fluke. And I think that that game has upset potential all over it. They also won against a very popular seven C in UConn. A lot of people were on this UConn board going into this tournament, yet they were able to shut them down pretty easily. Their defense was on point today. They limited James Booknight to 15 points and they had RJ Cole only at nine. Usually he's in double digits every game pretty impressive showing by their defense this past weekend 
Theo, is there a matchup you're looking at that could be the game of the second round? Um, I mean, Syracuse against West Virginia. We saw how Syracuse shot against San Diego State. Um, if they shoot like that again, I, I mean, I don't think West Virginia's beaten them. West Virginia historically is a good press defensive team, but I mean, their defense isn't that good this year. Um, I think that's going to be a very exciting game. Uh, West Virginia, I, I looking at the spread, they're only three point favorites. So the odds makers in Vegas think Syracuse is a pretty good chance. I think it's going to be a high scoring, very entertaining game. A lot of shot making going on. So I'm looking forward to that Syracuse West Virginia game. Buddy Beheim versus Miles McBride in that game. Deuce McBride. That's going to be a fun matchup to see. Probably the best matchup out of the next two days is Buddy Beheim versus Miles McBride. I'm also interested in Oral Roberts. I mean, I, like they beat Ohio State and they only shot 36% from the field. It's not like they were having a crazy UMBC game where they were hitting all their shots. So um, I'm interested to see Oral Roberts against a Florida team who's pretty good but i wouldn't say they're a great team so we'll see if that if that magical run can keep keep going i want to go back to the first round for a minute another popular upset pick was winthrop over villanova villanova came out on top and they take on the mean green north texas in round two ethan do you think that villanova although they're not as talented as years past they kind of have this chip on their shoulder because a lot of people thought they might get bounced round one and since it was a down year and they have a couple injuries that they shouldn't be taken seriously. Oh yeah. They, you could see it on their faces. They want to prove that the Colin Gillespie injury wasn't big enough to stop their tournament chances. You can see it in Jeremiah Robinson Earl's face, the entire game. He had a, he was on a mission to crush Winthrop and prove any doubt that he wasn't, able to lead Villanova past them. Also, Justin Moore was just as equally impressive. Two guys who really stepped up despite Gillespie's injury. And it's, I think personally that they will probably beat North Texas as much as I hate to say it. Say it I would like North Texas to win, but they're probably going to beat North Texas, which will probably lead to a matchup against Baylor, which will be very interesting to see. Theo, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, Villanova's not as good as they've been in past years, but um, like Ethan said, Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Justin Moore are still very good players, and they're still very well coached, so I, they're going to be a tough out in this tournament. I think they'll beat North Texas, and um, if they do play Baylor, I think they'll give Baylor a good fight. Another interesting round two matchup is one seed Illinois against eight seed Loyola Chicago. In a battle for Illinois, we got Io versus Sister Jean. Do we think that the heavily talked about Loyola Chicago defense is enough to stop Io, or does he does he work his magic again? For me, this matchup starts down low between Cameron Cameron Crutwig and Kofi Coburn. That's where the game is really going to be won for either team. If Cameron's able to get going against Kofi, well, then I think that there is a good chance that they might be able to pull off the upset. But Kofi and Kofi's just so hard to stop sometimes. As we saw in round one, I mean, they just dominated Drexel off the court. But if for me, what I'm really going to be looking at is Kofi versus Cameron. Who wins that matchup? And whoever is able to win that matchup, I think is going to 
have the better chance of winning the entire game. Yeah, I just I'm I'm pretty certain Kofi will outplay Crutwig. Uh, that's just my opinion. Loyal is a good team, but I just I, I don't know. I don't see I don't see like Braden Norris matching up with with Ao Desumu. Um, uh, they're a great team. They're gonna make the right play. So I think they might hang around for thirty to thirty five minutes. But uh, towards the end of the game, I think Illinois talent will just pull away with it. Yeah, and you look at the stat line, and what you could probably say was a an off game for IO 17, 11, six, three steals. He didn't play the best that he could. Um, I think that they're destined for a deep run. So he's probably saving a little bit. They kept him out there for a while, even after the game was out of hand. So I don't think any fatigue will be an issue even after the big East or uh, I'm sorry, the big 10 tournament. So I do think they'll advance. And this is going to be the IO show from here on out. I think Illinois will make the championship and I think they'll win it. So I think that this falls on IO. And like you guys said, Kofi, this is a, a big tournament for Illinois. They weren't here the last time around. So I think that they're here to prove something and they're legit. It's a little disappointing that Loyal was ranked as an eight seed and not as a seven or a six. They deserve to be higher. Instead, they're an eight seed and now they're going up against Illinois and they're probably going to get knocked out. I think they could have been ranked higher over Oregon or potentially Florida as well. Loyola was number nine in Ken Palm, which would basically have them as a three seed. Um, that's I love this Illinois team, but they, they got screwed with the seeding because when you screw Loyola Chicago and you screw Oklahoma State, you not only screw them, but you screw the teams they have to play. And now you have Illinois who's playing a Loyola Chicago team in the second round that's top 10 in Ken Palm. And then if they advance, then they're playing Oklahoma State, who's beaten like all the three seeds has 13 wins over tournament teams. So that, that like I think Illinois kind of got screwed with their path. They're still a great team and they still could emerge. But I, yeah, I, I agree. It's they, they got a little bit unlucky here. So now towards the end of day two, another official UCLA has beaten BYU 11 over six. Another popular upset, especially after the play-in game, I think a lot of people would have picked Michigan State if they would have won, but then some people were still high on UCLA. They advanced to round two, and they have a potential game against Texas or Texas Albine, which Texas is, is kind of struggling right now yeah. while we're recording. But yeah, the UCLA-Texas the the UCLA UCLA matchup would be a very interesting one. Mm-hmm, it would be, though. I would like to see how the how the Bruins' offensive attack would do against Abilene Christian's defense. Their defense has been really good against the Texas's top forwards in Jericho Sims and uh, the other guy. Shoot, um, Greg Brown. Yeah, Greg Brown mm-hmm. and Matt Coleman. The Pac-12 is having a great tournament. Uh... People have been hating on the Pac-12, myself included, but five and zero so far in uh, in uh, in Indiana. So Colorado won, USC won, UCLA won, and they they all took care of business too. Really, not even close. So maybe it's I have a Pac-12. question I want to ask you guys: Which Pac-12 team do you think is doing the best at the moment? Oregon State, you got to say, beating number five Tennessee. 
I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. I did have that one picked because I liked the way Oregon State had been playing towards the end, but I, I would say them. U- USC, too. Um, Kansas showed some flaws today. USC's big inside with the Mobley brothers, so maybe USC can make a deep run. Oh, yeah, I, I can see the USC making a deep run, especially with Kansas looking all over the place against an Easter Washington team that while they did play really good, I didn't expect them to put up that much of a fight against Kansas. For me personally, I think the one that looks the best right now is Colorado. The Buffaloes played so good against Georgetown today. I mean, again, it's Georgetown, so it's it's hard to gauge whether that that run in the Big East tournament meant anything. But at the same time, they played super well against a team that was coming in hot. And their three-point shooting three point shooting today was off the charts amazing. Colorado-Florida State is going to be a very interesting stylistic matchup because you have Colorado that advanced today by hitting a ton of threes. And then Florida State, I don't think they hit a single three today, mm-hmm. and they still advanced. So um, it's, 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 Florida State is going to try to make it a rock fight. Colorado is going to try to put up some shots. It's going to be very interesting to see who, who controls the pace of that game. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Colorado. We didn't talk about Jabari Walker, 9-10 from the field, 5-5 for from 3, 24 points off the bench. He did have that flagrant towards the end of the first half, which the play to me didn't really make much sense why he was hanging out uh, that low in the paint and then just dragged um, the guy on Georgetown just down by his shoulders in a questionable play, to say the least. And I, I touched on it before. The Big Ten has struggled mightily so far. Obviously, the headliner, Ohio State going down to Oral Roberts. And Purdue also lost as a four to a 13. I think it's interesting. Purdue, I think, was way overranked because they lost to Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, which were the cream of the crop. So I think that the Big Ten's true colors did come out. Uh, Ohio State, that was just a bad game in unlucky for them but Purdue I did not think should have been a four seed so I think that the Big Ten kind of got exposed a little bit this weekend so I'm curious to see what you guys think it's kind of a running theme with the Big Ten tournament they usually they tend to underperform in the tournament you saw the Michigan State team uh, lose to Middle Tennessee I mean the only great Big Ten run in the past like uh, five tournaments has been the Michigan run to the to the final four. And then also the Purdue run where they lost to Virginia in the elite eight. It's kind of a running theme where the big 10 loses these close games. Yeah. The big 10, I don't think they've won a title in 20 years. I think Michigan state in the early two thousands was the, the last big 10 team to do it. And I mean, this year looked like the year um, they got Illinois and Michigan. They got two one season. Maybe one of those teams could do it, but the Ohio state and Purdue losses are not good for the state of the conference. And, We'll see if that's a theme throughout the tournament. You just mentioned it, Ethan. Virginia also lost as a four. They lost to 13 Ohio in an interesting three years, to say the least, for Virginia basketball. Losing as the one, the one and only, then winning the national championship. And after a year off, losing as a 13. This is just a a very interesting team how they can have these ebbs and flows of the highest highs and lowest lows. So it's a really interesting predicament that they always seem to be stuck in. 
Oh yeah, it's so it's so weird watching Virginia work sometimes, and, I, and it's just weird because Jay Huff and Sam Hauser and Khalil Clark have have been on all these teams, so they've had they've had a super weird roller coaster of a ride during their college careers. It's kind of funny to watch, but at the same time, it was easy to see this coming a little bit. There are COVID issues at the uh, uh, towards the the beginning of the week were kind of noticeable and it's always hard coming back from barely practicing and doing no conditioning. Most likely I bet they did some on the side at their given uh, like workout practices to do at home, but it's just hard coming back into a game setting after having all these COVID protocols and then expected to play well. And Ohio wasn't even that wasn't a bad team coming in too. Jason Preston is a great player and a great uh, point guard, especially at dishing the ball. Yeah, Ohio took Illinois to overtime earlier in the season. So this is a legit team. But uh, what Virginia does is they limit possessions. Um, and March is already a kind of a slower paced game. So what you're guaranteeing when you play at Virginia style is you're going to play a close game. And um, that, that's what they've done. And I mean, sometimes when the, when there's close games, you just don't win. They They just they didn't hit shots today. They shot 35% from the field. 21 to 60 they shot 25 percent from three uh like that, that's that's just not going to cut it no matter how good your defense is and it starts with like their ability to like make shots they don't have uh, a kyle guy or a ty jerome on this team they have a bunch of great defensive players and sam hauser can shoot the ball whenever but they don't have that kyle guy who you can trust to make big shots in those moments which really hurt them down the line, especially towards the end of the season. And I think that's been a very common theme so far early in this tournament that the teams that have been upset have gotten off to horrendous starts. Ohio State never looked really into it. Virginia, the same way. All these teams, they're not star- – Kansas, it almost happened to them. They played a very poor first half and barely squeaked past Eastern Washington. So I think that the teams – they know that they need to start hot, but it's just doing it and maintaining it that it seems to be the big issue for them so far. And including Texas. Texas right now, they started off poorly against Abilene Christian, and they're only then they're down by one right now at the moment we're recording this. <laughs> so I do want to update the people on our Sports Wave bracket group. Coming in at one is Lau who has 250 points, but he did pick Ohio State, who obviously will not be continuing on in this tournament. Then Theo is tied for second. I am tied for fourth. And Ethan is tied for seventh. All of us still have our champions in. And looking at this, Theo has the most potential points left. I am second, and Ethan has a little less than me. So overall, it's been a pretty competitive group. No one's really been out there. I mean, the I don't know who the Kenny Wooten fan club was made by, but they are at a 6.6%. Not great. Probably needs to do a little bit more research there. But that just speaks to how the tournament is every year. And honestly, I had forgot you know, with no tournament last year, it's so unpredictable. It's, we were saying before, it's the best tournament. It's an awesome couple weeks. 
it has just been a, a wild, wild ride. I don't think the upsets were as big as previous years because we didn't have the Dukes, Kentuckys, them. But it's been some pretty noticeable ones. Obviously, Ohio State, Oral Roberts, Virginia, Ohio. So it's been a – it picked up right where it left off in 2019. i also like to point out that Michael Vanko, who was on the show last week, and he's a pretty smart guy with college basketball. He's in second to last place. So it just shows you the luck of the draw sometimes with these games. I you really, as much as we'd like to commentate and like predict what happens, it's so much of it is just luck, straight luck for what happens, what team shows up better that day. I, I agree with you. If you look at X's, he's, he's right in the middle too. He's got about 1,400 potential points left, but he's at a nice 83%. Speaking of X, I did want to bring up Oregon, who had their game against VCU forfeited because VCU had their own COVID problems. Do you think that this helps Oregon going into the next round, having the rest, or do you think that not playing might mess them up and get them in a little bit of a funk? I really wanted to watch this Oregon team. They just got fully healthy at the end of the year and they looked really impressive. And then they got into the PAC 12 tournament and they lost to Oregon state. And I, I thought they would beat VCU, but like, and then I was thinking maybe they could beat Iowa, but I was, I really wanted to see how, how they looked in this game against VCU and we didn't get to see it. So now they kind of just remain a wild card. I, I like they, they could beat Iowa and, they also could lose by 20. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to expect out of this Oregon team. It's hard to look at them because it's like, you could look at it two ways. You could be like, either they're going to be super well rested for this game and going into it with at at their full ability, or they could be just super sluggish and not ready at all because they didn't have that extra game to prepare themselves before it. And I, again, I like, just like you, Theo, I was super disappointed. I was, I wasn't able to see Chris Duarte and Eugene just see what they would be able to do in this tournament. Uh, They're, they're two excellent players. They're just, I don't know what to think about them going in. I thought, I thought VCU would lose to them and I thought Oregon would beat them, but you know, it's way it goes sometimes with COVID. It's just a weekly basis to see what happens. I think that the Iowa game today was very interesting. From what I had seen, Luca Garza didn't dominate the game, but I think that was best case scenario for Iowa because they, I think, wanted to prove to people that he doesn't have to do a majority of the heavy lifting on offense. So I liked the dynamic that Luca not just putting up 30 points, 10 rebounds, and just dominating down low. I like that for them, as weird as it sounds with one of the best players in the country. And we had seen this a little bit down the stretch. Luca, Luca was, be, I mean, Luca's still their primary offensive uh, target going into the final stretches, but you could see Joe Wieskamp and Jordan Bohannon take a little bit more of an authoritative role on offense. And it showed today. And I think this is the main problem that we've seen all season with Iowa too, is that their defense is not the greatest. And this could be especially troublesome against Gonzaga if they potentially play them or even USC, if they're able to beat Oregon, it's, is their defense going to be able to slow them down enough to the point where they're able to control the pace of the game and also work well on offense. Yeah, Wieskamp's like an NBA quality player, but 
they they, they got to play. They got you know they have to defend a little bit better if they want to advance far in the tournament. So the last thing I wanted to touch on Sunday and Monday, the round of thirty-two, big matchups as we predicted. Theo, I want to start with you. What do you think will be a big takeaway and what's going to happen in the next two days? I, I think one of the big seeds is going to go down. Um, you, usually we don't see all of the one seeds make it to the round, make it to the sweet 16. So um, I'm looking to see who goes out. Uh, I like this Baylor team, but that Wisconsin team's a little bit of a difficult matchup. Like we said, Illinois is going against a really good Loyola Chicago team. And um, I'm still rocking with LSU. I, they can score in a bunch of ways, and I think they could give that Michigan team a lot of trouble. So I'm looking at these one seeds, and I'm I'm thinking one of them is going to go down in these next couple of days. I knew you were going to bring up LSU as that one team that could upset <laughs> a one seed. And the thing is, I can see them doing it too. They're Cam Thomas, crazy game for LSU today he played off the charts great and the Wolverines while they played great I mean Isaiah Livers isn't there and it's clear that they need him and if they want to make a run in this tournament that's where their offense needs to come from they need to have him back but it's unlikely that he will be there thing I'm looking forward to the next two days is the superstars I think that they're going to show out Io's going to play well. I think Cade Cunningham is going to come back strong. Luca Garza, if he doesn't put up a double-double, I'd be shocked. Um, Michigan, I think they're going to win, contrary to Theo's beliefs. But I am glad that he did double down on the <laughs> thought that they could lose to LSU. I'm just really excited. March is back. Uh, this tournament looks like it didn't miss a beat. There isn't as many fans, but that's okay. Uh it's going to be an awesome two days and it's going to be an awesome rest of the tournament. And, and it's awesome that a lot of the top NBA guys are still, are still in the tournament too. Cause we've seen a lot the past couple of years, like the top guys either being overseas or not in the tournament, but here we have Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, and they're all still in the tournament and their teams have a chance to advance deep into the tournament. So I'm very excited for that. Mm-hmm. It adds a little bit to it when you don't, when you don't have like, um, you know, Ben Simmons not being there or um, John Morant getting knocked out in the second round, you're actually able to see how these superstars work before they get drafted into the NBA. It's really fun to see. Yeah, it was a similar, it was a similar thing with Lonzo Ball. They lost in the first round a few years back when Jabari Parker was on Duke. They lost in the first round. So I, I like what you said, Theo. It's nice to see NBA caliber talent that's going to at least make it to round two. And I expect most of them to be in the Sweet 16. So on that, I wanted to thank Theo and Ethan. We will be back on Monday night with a round two recap and then a regular wavelengths on Tuesday. So thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you guys soon.